coming to get you, Barbara. Back to the story at hand. This is the beginning of the podcast. If you have come in not knowing where you are, I'm sorry, but you're unfortunately lost. This is a show with me, Sean Koch, and my friend, Tim. The Magic Man. You're a magic man? (laughs) Do I... I would so love to like do something with Pizza Wizard. I don't know if I ever pitched that project to you. I don't know what Pizza Wizard is. Uh, well, we're, did we have anything to wrap up that we were talking about? We were talking about betting. We were talking about uh, oh, the, the oh, cannabis oh, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So, so with uh, with the Wall Street bets things, I've been doing my research, and I invested in Sundial. Sundial is a cannabis company that there's something that they're doing that is related to COVID. I don't know if they have um, some sort of testing or so. I, I, I don't know. There, there's something about it that has a COVID thing. So I got in at, I think about like $3. It's at about $1.50 now. I don't think it's going to go up uh, much higher at this moment. But one of the things that Biden ran on was the federal legalization of cannabis. And if that happens, most cannabis things like uh, if you think about it, if it made if it's made federally legal, then the cannabis stock should go up because that means that they can open up more uh, more areas. They can sell their product to more places. Oh yeah, they're gonna be in business big time. Yeah. So so my guess is um, that maybe not this year, maybe next year, maybe the year after, but at some point it is going to get past the amount that I paid for it. And then mm. until then, all I'm going to do is I'm going to sit here. I'm going to sell calls on it because if I sell calls on it, uh, did I ever explain to you what a call is? Um, yes, absolutely. Give us a demonstration of your uh, Wall Street knowledge. Yeah. So this is going to be a very educated. First, it's going to be a very bitchy episode to start with and then an educational episode <laughs> in between. And then finally, we'll actually get to the topic at hand. Um, so what, it, what a call is, is you... So I sell calls on the stocks that I have. And what a call is, is you sell the right for somebody to buy your stock at a certain price. So um, I bought the stock at $3. It's currently at $1.50. For me to make money, I need to at least sell it for $3.01. So I would sell it like calls are usually at like the 5 cent marks or at like the 50 cent marks. So I would probably sell a call at $3.50. So what that means is if you were to buy the call, I would sell you the call for $3.50, which means you have the right to buy that stock at $3.50, regardless of what its actual price is. So if the stock were to go to like, let's say it went up to $8.00 you would still be able to buy that from me at $3.50 per stock, meaning you end up getting an $8 stock for $3.50, but I make 50 cents off of the $3 that I had paid per stock. Does that make sense? Yeah. 
Yeah. But these calls that I'm selling. So when I sell you the call, you're paying me like, let's say uh, a penny per stock that I have. And if I have a hundred, so you're, you're paying me a dollar. Um, I get that dollar. And if the stock, let's say goes to maybe $2 and 50 cents, and I've sold you the right to buy it at three fifty. You could just be like, ah, fuck it. I don't want it. And then it just expires worthless. I've still made that dollar. I still own the stock. And then I just sell another call on top of that. that that's how I'm, I plan on making money off Sundial. So probably over the next uh, year or two, I might make about like 60 bucks because selling calls on a, a stock that's that low in price does not really earn you a lot. It's just part of the imaginary numbers game where they just make things up and then people lose their houses. I love that game. Kind of the destruction of the economy and really the real reason the capitalism is festering like a wound is because of the imaginary stock numbers. <laughs> just like inflation and printing money out of the printer. Well, dude, no, not, 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 not necessarily. Well, yes, yes, kind of like that. But there's like actual value to that because technically, actually, I don't know if we're, we're not on the gold standard anymore. Uh, but at one point we were on the gold standard where our dollar, like if you had a dollar, it was worth a dollar of gold. Yeah, we haven't but, been on that for a long, long time. <laughs> yeah, every every president that has tried to put us back onto that has been murdered in, in office. Weird. Like JFK and Lincoln tried to put us back on the gold. Yep, yep. And then there was one president that did it and reversed it in the middle, I believe. But um, what I was going to say, though, is uh, when you were talking about everybody's imaginary uh, thought of what something's worth, that's my thought on cryptocurrency. Because cryptocurrency Very true. Is, yeah, there's no physical or anything. It, it's just it's it's worth what people think it's worth. It's very dangerous because it can crash economies that are actually built on material possessions. Yup, yup. Now, I'm not, I'm not against technology and I'm not necessarily against cryptocurrency, but I believe that the way that we interact in an economic fashion with money throughout the country is has become an imaginary numbers game. There was a documentary watched on YouTube, which is the source of all true information, I guess, uh, <laughs> that talks about... Uh, usury and the banks and the way that they would lend out 10 times what they actually had in value and that this process of creating imaginary bubbles of numbers out of money that doesn't actually exist is part of what destroys the economy system and why everything's deflated to the point where you know uh, 10 years ago you have much more money than you have today with the same number because the inflation number goes up and all of it tracks back to the federal reserve which kills presidents to keep them from interfering with this imaginary money, money game. Yep. I, uh, I read somewhere <laughs> that uh, the theory is that the new world order is actually, was actually started by the federal reserve. Did oh no, that? we can't go down this path because then we're just back to the Templars and the, the, the Rothschilds and the, uh, what is that from the um, Holy blood, Holy grail, which Dan Brown's, kind of schlocky action adventure pulp seller was based off of the da vinci code just takes everything from holy blood holy grail full scale and turns it into a, a fun popcorn comedy i like popcorn comedies i do too and that's why it sells a like holy blood holy grail didn't sell in a lot of copies but uh the da vinci code sold banks you know i think it probably actually sold a bank here's something that i wonder um because the rothschild they, them and the Rockefellers, and there was like one or two other families 
um, are the ones who they say were the were basically the beginning of the new world order or the beginning of the push in that direction. But they also funded the Nazis. Well, that's during... the thing is you fund both sides. You create a conflict that creates a need and then you swoop in as the saviors. I think superheroes had covered this a million times that villains create problems that they themselves can them solve. No, that 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 does make sense, but as far as I know they weren't support they weren't funding the uh the allies. They were only uh funding the Axis. Well, the the money that went into the Axis comes from Places like Henry Ford, you have IMB, you have, or IBM, you have, uh, you know, all these big mega corporations and billionaires were get lending money to, they were, they were lending to everybody. They were like, oh, we need this thing. Hey, yeah, sure. Here's a loan. Here's this money. You go fight your war and then pay us back. Hmm. I want to do some more research on this. This would be uh, good to oh, talk yeah, about definitely. in depth because that, that would. is a very interesting thought, but uh, speaking of and just depth, stay away from the, the bloodlines of the reptilian people. We shouldn't get into that part. Well, we might have to soon because my <laughs> uh, new tenant is going to be a lizard person. Oh, what? Wait, what? Yeah. No, uh, because the contacts I, out. It, no, it, it was disclosed on their rental form. Oh, OK. Well, yeah. hey, that means at least they might pay their bill. <laughs> well, they 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 have to because they need all the heat lamps and everything because they're cold blooded. Ooh, true, true. <laughs> I, wonder, I just want everybody dude, to know this I, does I, not mean we're talking about a specific race or class of people. These aliens are from a different planet, so they're not even human. Yeah, but that they are technically an alien race. That's true. Yeah. Um. I wonder. So when you when you think about all the sightings, like when, when, they, when they're in newspapers and when they talk about it on YouTube channels and everything, the majority of the people they think they have proof that they are lizard people are all Hollywood people. And they live in a climate that's on average 70 degrees or above. So there's actually a lot of credence to that because you need to have the heat in order to keep their blood. Uh, from, what is it? Keep their blood from boiling or from freezing or whatever yeah they're cold-blooded creatures they need to heat their blood up yeah i i i don't know you know honestly like i would really love to go down this path and think uh exactly why is it that hollywood are all the lizards but they, they don't seem to be other places but um i don't know man it seems like too much of a, a catch trying to goose chase chase you know a wild goose chase to chase the geese like yeah, how are you going to prove it? You know, other than the one who rented from you, maybe you could do an interview with them. Okay, so <laughs> let's let's do a thought experiment here. Um, if there were lizard people, okay, and let's say Hollywood is full of them. Let's say the Hollywood actors, the ones that live in California and everything like that. Let's say that they are lizard people. When they die, and they end up on the autopsy table. How do they keep that from the public? Because obviously when they cut them open... Who's the doctor doing the autopsy? You think they pay off the doctors? Or they have like one specific doctor? Pay off. All the celebrities? Are they going to take them to a doctor outside of Hollywood? Well, you, well if, there, if there was a, 
a doctor that was doing this on the regular and keeping it secret, they would probably already be in Hollywood if that's where the majority of the lizard people live. I mean, if you've watched any of these stories, they say whenever somebody who's a known lizard person dies, they would say we have to take them to a specific place because they make everything go away. That's how it works when you build a system. That's how it's like the mafia. You know, you don't take your mafia guys to just any doctor. You take them to a oh, what's the name of it? Uh, Specialist? Uh, gee, I didn't think. It, no, it's the uh, my brain's not working so good that I boss. Um, <laughs> you know, in Cyberpunk 2020, it's like you have the, the chop shops that are like the underground doctors. There was a movie that uh, David Duchovny played in where he was one of those where he was a doctor and he started working for the mob to fix up their boys. There's a name for it. And I forget what it's called. I don't know. But it's, yeah, it's the doctors who patch people up who oh, oh, oh. hospital uh, veterinarians. <laughs> <laughs> every, every movie that I've ever seen where somebody gets like a bullet hole, they're like, no, no, we're not going to the hospital. And they take them to like a vet. Yeah, I'm the veterinarian, not a people doctor. It's like the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's funny. No, they, I mean, I don't know, man. Like, the thing you have to understand with a conspiracy is the power, the sheer amount of numbers and power involved in world geopolitics and the people who are in the highest elite echelons of the system can move mountains. They can, like, you know, like, look at the Truman Show, you know, and it's a stupid movie, right? We use movies as examples. But they're not reality. But the Truman Show is like this one man's whole life was fabricated from yeah. outside. And it's, it's the same with The Matrix. It's the same with Dark City. People are actually kind of tunnel visioned and short sighted for the majority. And all you have to do is create a, a path where they go, but they're, they're, experience does not go beyond that path and you can easily contain them dude have you have you never thought about that because i when i was younger um i i don't know for how long but there was there was there was a time where i legitimately thought that maybe i was just an experiment and the people around me were all either uh actors or simulations in order to see how i would react to certain situations there's absolutely nothing to worry about I think he's on to us. <laughs> um, no, but that's that's the thing is you don't it's a it's a level of paranoia, sure. But the reality is that if somebody had enough power and money, they could create a system like that. And yeah. the key thing people need to remember is that systems do not exist by the bulk of it. All you need is a linchpin. The linchpin controls everything. For example, we are told what they want us to believe through the media, through entertainment. But these are a small number of companies. That whole thing about there's only so many different companies who actually are in charge of what's disseminated out across the country. Yeah. And anytime any independent comes up and says, hey, we have proof that the big companies are really part of a blah, blah, blah. They're like, you're just crazy people. Nobody will listen to you. Now watch CNN or Fox News. They'll tell you what your opinion is. And you don't have to control everybody directly. All you have to do is control one person at the head of an organization and they will disseminate all your orders downwards through the company. So yeah. that's. It's the way terrorists work, like cellular terrorism. Nobody even knows that they're, you know, part of the group, except for the person at the head who knows what's going on. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's it's interesting um, that that. So I was listening to Joe Rogan. He had uh, the guy from Area 51. Um, who's the guy? Do, do you know the guy I'm talking about? The guy who they like erased his uh, school history and everything like that. They kicked him out of Area 51. Well, I, obviously, I wouldn't know him because they erased it. So. No, no, no. They, they, he, he's still, uh, he's still. God damn it! What, what is his name? Um, I, I probably wouldn't know him when he named him, but I know this kind of story. No, you would definitely know him because he's, he's really, really famous. He's the one who broke the story on Area Fifty One. Oh, hold on. Let me, let me, let me look this up real quick. Uh, Bob Lazar. Well, oh, Bob Lazar. Okay. You, you have to know the Bob Lazar name, right? Maybe. Do you? Do, so Bob Lazar, um, he was uh, in Nevada and he worked for an aerospace company and he put a jet engine on a, I, I want to say a Yugo or something like that. And it, it went like super fast and he was like very successful at it. So they hired him and brought him to Area 51 and he was working at Area 51 for a long time. He was the one, uh, well, anyway, while he was out there, um, something happened it turned out his wife was having an affair with somebody or something like that and because of that it made him a risk so they removed him from area 51 they they fired him um they got rid of like basically they tried to erase him from history they got rid of uh they removed his uh records from mit they removed any acknowledgement that he worked for the previous aerospace company um he started talking about Area 51 and people started calling him crazy and everything like that. Well, there's been lots of documentaries and everything where they've gone and they found like, yeah, there's no record of him ever working for this aerospace company. But if you go to the building, he can walk you through the entire building, tell you where, what room is what and and where he worked and how he got in and all that other stuff. And there's pictures of him with like in, in with uh, um, uh, employee picnics and things like that. And there's friends of his that would talk about how the helicopters would bring him into area 51 and like all this, all this other shit. So it's, it's real. And he talked about, I believe it's element 151. And he talked about that back in the early nineties or whenever it was that he was let go. And they were like, Oh, this thing doesn't exist. And they just recently quote discovered this element. But anyway, my, my point in bringing this all up is he talks about how when he was working for area 51, he had no idea what he was specifically working on. He was trying to reverse engineer something, but he had no idea what it was he was trying to reverse engineer. And it it turns out that each one of the pieces was being held by a different group of scientists trying to reverse technology that they didn't understand. And he believes, I don't know if he believes or if he has proof or if he saw it, that it came from an alien spaceship. So it was like he was working on propulsion because he had been able to attach a uh, rocket to a car. So they were dealing with the propulsion system, whereas somebody else was dealing with the fuel stuff and so on and so forth. So the whole idea of having one centralized thing, not disseminating information, but controlling everything underneath it in separate little entities, not exactly knowing what they're working on makes a lot of sense for our government. That was a very long-winded example. I'm sorry. Oh, absolutely. There is a lot of stuff to unpack there. And we have hours of discussion just from that simple long-winded sentence you made. (laughs) Uh, So first of all, yes, the Cold War espionage taught us a lot of things about um, self-operating systems that we're done in a way to where one hand does not know what the other hand is doing, but they're both doing the job of the body 
if that makes sense as an analogy. No, that makes sense. So, so yeah, everything is completely on the level. Uh, I have a list of things here. One, it reminds me of the um, Blair Witch 2 movie, which really isn't all that good of a movie for most people. No, it is um, not. But it has one of my but, favorite actors in it. Yes. The guy, the guy from Burn Notice. Yeah, I did not realize he was the lead character in that. I, I love this guy because Burn Notice was amazing. And then when I realized it was him, I was like, fuck, why do I have to choose the horrible actors? He was horrible well, so, in that movie. <laughs> so, but the whole premise of the, the second movie, because they couldn't just retread the first movie. The whole premise of the second movie is that all these characters experience one set of events on what you see as reality, but then what shows up on the camera is a separate reality. And it poses that sort of twilight zone question, you know, like the outer limits where it comes in, would our perception deceive us if it was true or if it was created as a fabrication in the outer limits? And that's the reality is perceivable. So what we experience is what we said is a reality. All these millennial kids on the internet only know this form of reality that's presented through the mediums that they have. And, you know, like you say, Facebook or Twitter's, Instagram, maybe a couple others, and that's it. There's not really like hundreds of places that people go. Everybody, even if there's hundreds of other apps, everybody accumulates the same like centralized, very small amount of, of watering holes. And it's the same thing with our information flow. So the information comes into us, it could be, it could be directed or fabricated. And you, you said yourself that this guy, uh, did something the government didn't like and they made him not exist. Like they have the power to just make people not exist if they think that's important to them. Yeah. And it's it's proven, it's things that have happened that reality can completely be redirected the way that other people want us to think. And most people don't want to question anything because you become the crazy guy. Um, so something else that came up with that was the first guy I thought of when you mentioned this at the beginning was uh, Bill Cooper. Bill Cooper wrote a book called Behold the Pale Horse. And back in, before I met you, like a couple of years before I met you, somebody handed this to me. It was like, this has the answers, man. This is what you need to know about the world going on. And I let it set on a shelf and didn't read it for a few years. When I finally read it, it turns out this book is about conspiracies, extraterrestrial life. The guy thought that AIDS had been a man-made disease to target like the minority populations the government didn't like. And he ended up having a standoff shootout at his house with the Fed and died in a shootout with the Feds. No uh, shit. Oh, yeah. This guy is wild. The stuff he talks about, the Kennedy assassination, the Illuminati, aliens and UFOs. And he, he apparently he claims to have worked um, in part of the military as a place where he got this information about their UFO experiences. So it's kind of like what you're talking. But instead of getting erased, he had a shootout with the cops. <laughs> that's fucking crazy why why were the cops at his house why why was there a shootout oh god i say let's see let's see it turns out it's tax evade okay i you want to put on the tinfoil and get ready for us to be assassinated here yeah uh, let's do it let's do it here's the thing the 90s changed everything before the 90s big events were very few and far between and they were very distant from us 
partly that was television and the eight the end of 80s news cycle kicked off the 90s news cycles with the whole you know oj simpson and like the live chases and stuff but under the clinton administration we had what columbine we had waco we had the oklahoma city bombing we had all these weird events that didn't make any sense and shit went big like it had never gone before. And apparently the Internal Revenue Service charged him with tax evasion under the Clinton administration. And then a arrest warrant was put out for him and they tried to go and capture him and take him back alive. And it, it led into him with an assault rifle uh, getting gunned down. Yeah, dude, that's fucking crazy yeah i i personally i believe that a lot of uh what went on in politics uh, from the admin the reagan administration on is where everything started to go wrong because the the clintons get in there you had the bush clinton bush sandwich yeah and <laughs> the clintons get in and all this stuff like everything 9-11 all that stuff comes on the heels of the clintons getting out of office yeah so world events and affairs and the way things were handled and stuff like the the uh government military people coming in and just killing people uh you know with waco and uh the way that timothy mcveigh with you know timothy mcveigh and the oklahoma city bombing was or no it was a yeah, it was timothy mcveigh yeah. um no the unabomber was a cia asset and i think timothy mcveigh was also disgruntled by some sort of government uh officiate it's all these cia projects where they end up creating like these time bombs because this is also where you get um the end result of things like these different mind control programs and the the monarch stuff and the uh what's that one everybody the mk ultra and stuff like mm -hmm. that leads into after that stuff's over the end of the 80s you just get bombings people turning into psychopaths the rise of the serial killer i don't know i could write a whole series of no, books i i have a i have a slight theory that i've been working on so it's, it's a very very unfleshed out theory right now because like no matter what there there are psychos there's people who are fucked up in the head that want to do stupid shit and they're going to do stupid shit like you know strap bombs to their chest and, and right. go and do stupid shit like that but um and again this is another thing that comes from rogan he was talking to somebody who was talking about uh, manson and how manson himself had multiple times been arrested and let go on charges that he should have been put away for a long period of time and the theory is, and there's a guy who wrote a book about this, but the theory is that Manson was actually a CIA operative and that he was oh, yeah. being given um, acid and other drugs in order to give to his people in order to try and produce a mind control type thing. And that, you know, the things that Manson had done were things that he was told to do by these government agents. And, and that was pretty much it. Well, it's also you don't need to directly tell them what to do so much as you need to set up a counter peg and then hand them a match. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. But but my thought is, I'm I'm wondering how many of these big things that we hear about, like Timothy McVeigh, because he was a CIA operative at one point, and then uh, Manson, and then um, uh, all all these all these like Bob Lazar, like the people who hit the news that we hear about. I wonder how many of them are actually government assets doing things that either the government wants them to do 
or the government pushed them in a direction to force them to do what they ended up doing. Oh, absolutely. It's the, uh, the spoiled eggs. And they're like, oh, we don't need this toy anymore. And they throw it in the trash. And they do that by publicly making either making them completely disappear or publicly making them a spectacle and blaming everything on them. Yeah, yeah. Kind of like what they've been doing with, um, the, uh, well, I guess it is a false flag, but what they've been doing with the riots where there's been peaceful protests that have turned into riots and they've oh, there's been a lot of them that they've proven where there were like, either um, National Guard or CIA or FBI or somebody who was implanted in there that actually instigated the ensuing violence afterwards which, for something that would have been the, useful. The linchpin thing comes in. is you, you don't need the whole crowd. Like whole crowd will not know what's going on. All you need is that one provocateur to push the crowd over the yep. edge. And then you end up with mob mentality, everybody following the, oh, yeah. uh, the one bad egg. Yeah, this this kind of I'm I am obsessed with anthropology, archaeology, history, stuff like that, and understanding the hidden history of how the world has worked for the last hundred years. Again, why I go back to Grant Morrison all the time because he feeds this kind of stuff in all his work. But that is that there's there's all these events that sort of co coalesce, co come coalesce. together. This coalescing. There's this a congruent like uh, way things happen that feels shaped and especially with cia stuff because they their fingers are in every pie and there's a whole thing somebody did i watched back in the day uh where they were talking about how the moment the cia was made it was out of their control like as soon as it went into creation they basically said we don't care what the president or the government thinks we're going to go off and do our own things and they've they've been given free reign since um, there's this one guy who I have to find it. It's called like the Lucifer engine or something like that. And he writes this blog about, it's called like the Lucifer engine. And he talks about um, the congruence between the crashed spaceships of Roswell and the creation of the CIA as we know it today, because the FBI and the CIA used to have different names back in the day. The organizations were changed over time to, to reflect what we know as now, but that they kind of, um, they were, there's guy, one of these guys, like we're talking about where he came out and talked about the truth, his whole life was shut down and he was basically, his whole life was destroyed because he talked about the black budget because there is a, a you know secret ops part of the budget that they don't talk about for certain divisions of the government hidden in places where you wouldn't normally they're not like a CIA budget it's like transportation and engine you know like energy and stuff and then under that there's a part of it that nobody talks about which is a part of this huge budget that goes yep. to black ops sites it, it kind of like when they uh, spend uh, forty thousand dollars on a uh, gold hammer the gold hammer doesn't yeah. It, and yeah. it's not forty thousand dollars. It's that money is just being shipped over to some sort of uh, black wow. ops thing. <laughs> we we could talk a lot of things about pallets of money being shipped to foreign countries by our government. <laughs> but that said, the the whole thing is that there is there's secretiveness, and wherever there's secretiveness, there's a question mark. It's not that there's anything wrong going on. It's that we don't know because we're not allowed to know. We're told we're not allowed to know. So we automatically go, well, either they're completely on the level. They just don't want to talk about it. Or they're up to some really shady stuff. I, and I we don't have know. a long list of leaks that have said, yes, 
many times, like the Gulf of Tonkin that started the Vietnam War. Yep. Lots of things they came out and said that was all bullshit and we were just screwing with things. Well, dude, here, here's the thing. If, if it's not something that you want to talk about, then it's not right. So if it wasn't shady shit that is wrong, then why wouldn't they just tell us about it? If they're not telling us about it and they're hiding it like the Gulf of Tonkin, getting us into war over sinking our own ship, that's a very shady thing to do. It might have been done because we need to go into Vietnam and we need to be there for some reason or another. But like the whole reason we're in Iraq is for oil. They've there've been I I mean I know military people who say, yeah, that's legitimately it. We're there and we're just guarding Bobby. oil. We're yeah. there for opium. Oh, that's right. That's right. We were there. Afghanistan, especially, was the the whole opium trade. Because I don't know if you know your history, but when you look at the Silk Road and the China trade that goes back to like the 1800s, uh, and I'll I'll go on a little side note here. When you read League of Extraordinary Gentlemen that Alan Moore put together, the original comic book, and not the crappy movie that yeah, it had Sean Connery, but so what? Point is, is that the original book uh, talks about like uh, Alan Quartermain is addicted to opium. They start talking about like opium trades and stuff like that. Uh, that led me to a whole here is part of knowledge of history where before the modern you know technological revolutions, the world was controlled by opium. Like China basically grew. Uh, this stuff and sold it to people and they would sit around in lounges smoking this and that slaves and sugar and opium and, and essentially the slaves are, are there for the product of the other two because opium and sugar and stuff like that are grown by hands in the field so that's you know why they they don't want to pay these people especially if it's an illegal trade which is where the most money comes from uh, so this kind of stuff ran the world for so many years and it, we pretended like it went away, but it's still there. Yeah, no, it's, well, it's, it's still there, but a lot of it's been replaced by other things. Cause we have new addictions now. That's true. That's the true. screens. Oh, control your minds. Medias. And everybody's got a little tiny one in their pocket. And, and, and it's, it's interesting too, bringing that up. Um, the government always tries to control the thing that can control the masses. And I wonder if that's what they've been doing with their attempts to break up Facebook and other social media networks, because they don't understand it. They know that it controls and it can like move mountains. Like it can, it can sway opinions and it can, it can uh, make people start thinking in, in different directions. And they've been constantly trying to wrest control from Zuckerberg um, I'm, I'm wondering if, oh, would you send me, uh, I'm, I'm wondering I just if sent you a link to DARPA life log. I don't know if you've ever heard of DARPA life log. I have not. Yes. Uh, so DARPA life log, and this, this is entirely relevant. So I'm not, I'm adding to your conversation that you're going on here. They created a, they were trying to create a technology to figure out and trace the relationships between people. Okay. And they thought they it was this government agency had created LifeLog, uh, DARPA had put it out there, and they were going to essentially pull data from all the people in the world and all the people in the U.S. especially, and then use it to understand how people behave towards each other. You know, who's friends with who, who's enemies with who, and that would help their database to then, you know, establish threat. Well, 
It oh. went offline and was canceled in January 2004. Could you guess what day Facebook was started? Uh, the day that it was started or the day that it became available to everybody? Well, let's go to Facebook on Wikipedia and its date lists it as February 2004. It was launched in February and DARPA's life log was canceled in January 2004. So DARPA's CIA project to track the relationships between people and how they interact with each other goes offline in January 2004. And then Zuckerberg out of nowhere comes out with this nice program that tracks everybody's relationships with each other in February 2004. Very coincidental and not at all conspicuous. Interesting. That That's very interesting. I wonder if um, either they were tracking and seeing that he was releasing this and had their way of getting into it, or maybe he's a CIA plant and this is just the... So the, the Occam's razor is that they just came to him and had him as the face of the company and then ran DARPA into his program and then had him release out the batshit way of thinking is that he was a CIA plant the whole time. Because it's, it's easier to just come into somebody who's already doing something and then use them as a patsy. But, but here's, here's my question about that, though. Facebook was originally designed just to be for um, keeping up relationships in school. It was, it was that way for a good at least two years, right. wasn't it? So that would be a very right. close start for them to... Well, actually, I mean, I don't know how big their life was to begin with, so... All you have to do is come in at a point, go into the inner workings, refeed it with a new algorithm that spits numbers out the back end that no one sees. And then it goes on like it was all just his idea, but it's now powered by this, this company, this government, you know, project. Interesting. All you got to do is just let this thing feed information back to us and do whatever you want with it. And it'll become the big business and we'll push it at every angle and make it super popular. If, if the government came to you and did something like this, if they were like, Hey, so Sean, what we want you to do is we want you to sit back. Uh, we want you to produce or, or, or promote this application. All you need to do is sit back. We'll handle everything. We'll send you a check in the mail. It'll be your thing. Just don't touch any of the code in the back end. Would you do it? You know that they're CIA people. You know for a fact, like they come with big shirts that say we're fucking CIA. What's the phrase, man? Money talks and bullshit walks. It depends on the dollars. Did they pay him? Like, what did they have on him? You don't know. They He could be an operative. They could have blackmail. There could have been money. Or maybe it's just a psychopath that said, yes, finally, my time has arrived. Who yeah. knows? Because none of us were there. And there's a lot of speculation. But the reality is, is that these two programs, which are very similar alike, one of them goes offline on the government side the months before another comes on on the civilian side. And there's a lot of questions on the back end over the last decade. You know, like China had a lot of problems where they wouldn't let Facebook into the country because they swore up and down that it was just a CIA agency. And like a lot of that shit in the news that you'd read and go, oh, that's just Alex Jones talk. But you don't know. Yep. But as I've said in the past, Alex Jones has been right about 90% of the shit that he said. So that's funny. You get deep in a conspiracy and they're like, oh, Alex Jones is a plant by, you know, blah, blah, blah from another intelligence agency. <laughs> well, you, you, you as much uh, um, hinted to that at one point. 
You were talking about yeah. how in the 90s, he all of a sudden went from uh, government conspiracies to uh, homosexual frogs and mansions and shit. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like if you watch his original movies and stuff, his stuff is entirely about, I found a government document and this is what is out there. Like there's a whole thing about the national parks being, you know, privatized or whatever and that they were trying to create they're cutting they're cutting freeways off so that you can't get off the exit to visit the little mom and pop town so they all dry up and go out of business and everybody ends up gravitating towards the big city where the, like the walmart brands are yep. and then we they create these basically funnels uh, uh like um corridors that is travel with big cities and then all of the land outside of that is going to just be taken by the government and turned back into uh, just nature which it also ties in the whole georgia guidestones thing that popped up where these stones popped up in georgia um i don't know how many like 50 60 years ago they just popped up overnight and they are covered with text in 10 different languages that tells you these rules that are like the population of the earth should only be 500 million or less that you know like we need to establish a new central language a new central government we need a happiness and betterment for all mankind yada yada wait what i have not heard of this you never heard of it see i am i'm a steeped within the conspiracy what, 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 what's, what, what are the name of these stones Georgia Guidestones. They are unexplained and there have been a million conspiracies about them. And they just, they, they popped up and they have words on them. Yeah, they, so they showed up on a land, uh, 1980, Elbert Country, Georgia. They were just there one day and people found them and nobody's had any explanation of who paid for it, where they came from. Oh, it's not in English either. It's uh no, it's right here in good old USA. Is that is that, is that Japanese or it, like, has, it kind of looks like Japanese writing, doesn't it? No, it has every language. It has uh let me list the thing. It has English, oh. Spanish, Swahili, Hindi, Hebrew, Arabic, traditional Chinese, and Russian. Strangely not Latin though. Interesting. And, and everybody it's out in the has middle taken of a fucking it. field. Yep. And because the first rule is cutting the population down to a very tiny percent of what's in the world today, they believe that that's their epic uh, declared plan to exterminate most of the life to return us back to sustainable numbers. Well, here, and, here's the thing, though. It, it, like, if you were planning on doing that, why would you put a giant stone with it written into it in the middle of an area that people would... Like, I, granted, I haven't heard about this, but millions and millions of people have to know about this there's conspiracy theories and everything about this why would you go out there and declare what you were going to do i i ask myself that every time i read a, a justice league or avengers comic where the villain comes out and declares their big evil plan well they have to have time to let the superhero go because if you recall i don't know if this i think this was in the comic book uh it, it was uh, one of the comic book stories where the Joker um, sole purpose of existence is Batman and Batman's sole purpose of existence is the Joker. So the Joker cannot defeat Batman and Batman can't defeat Joker because neither would exist without the other. Therefore, because symbolically they represent the idea of pure logical thought on madness. One is the detective and one is the opposite of the detective. Well, 
yeah i mean if you want to get philosophical about it but there there was one where because batman has gone uh missing a few times and there was one where um the joker was go like he he basically had gotham city in his grasp he was gonna destroy gotham city and he was like fuck it i'm i don't even want to do this it's not fun without batman and just he went and he became a normal citizen for for a little while you know, DC, you just need to come out and admit that it's just a homosexual relationship. It's 2021. Nobody got to be kept in the closet about that. Joker <laughs> just has, he just has a man boner for the bats. Speaking of the Joker and Batman, have you seen the Harley Quinn cartoon? No, like there's something, first of all, something about like that adult swim quirky little cartoon thing that dry, kind of drives me off. And I just, I don't know what it is. I wasn't feeling the vibe. Dude, it's good. I like it. I like it a lot. That's all I got to say about that. I really like it. However, Plus, there's a uh, lesbian uh, relationship between Poison Ivy and Harley Quinn, which I am totally down with. Those of us in the comics have known that was always a lesbian relationship. Yeah, but However, it was always it was always a hinted relationship. Hinted my ass. Hmm. Those two were mad for each other. Uh, no, uh, the guy who plays Shark King. Is it shark King? King Shark. King Shark. Yeah, who's the, the voice? Ron Funches. I fucking love Ron Funches. Ron Funches. Who who what, what am he's I saying? He's a stand-up comedian. He was on some sitcoms. He's on various things. But he's he's got a high pitched voice like this, and he's a sweetheart. He's just a big pillow. Like I love, I just love that dude's work. Uh so I mm. I wanted to see it biz because he's in it, but I don't know about taking the whole, you know, kind of adult uh, uh, metatextual take on the DC universe. So I don't know. I'll have to bite the bullet and watch it. What's it on HBO now? Yeah, HBO Max. Um, I see. I like that. I think that's one of the things that's really missing from uh, a lot of the comic books because the comic books still adhere to the comic book code, which is basically a PG-13 uh, story, unless you get into like the like the Marvel Max and all that other stuff. But I feel like comic books especially the heroes that we normally see should be more adult because it just it feels it feels too childlike for that not to be there like you've got the blood you've got the violence you don't have the sexuality and you don't have the cursing in most comic books and i think that's also why wolverine was going huh (laughs) go on keep going i want to hear this but that was not what i meant by what i said oh well um <laughs> but okay uh but i think that's what, why um of all the x-men the only one who's had their own series actually take off is wolverine because wolverine has all those things wolverine does not adhere to the basic comic code as far as keeping things pg thir- pg 13 but then when you threw when you throw rogue out there her series failed gambit series failed even Sabretooth series failed like all these because they tried to keep them PG and they are PG 13 instead of letting them feel more realistic. And it's dependent on character too, because each character has their own vibe. True. But I mean, let them be realistic and not like adhere to that thing, because I feel like rogue would not be um, a straight, like PG type thing. I feel like she would, because she can't touch anybody. I, I feel like there would be more, um, it would be a little bit more sexually charged because she can't touch anybody because those are the things that, in my opinion, if you're not able to touch anybody or be close to somebody, that would be your driving goal. You know, Wolverine, because he can live forever and things don't mean anything, 
he kind of takes that uh, aspect into uh, his personality because he can't die. Life is kind of meaningless. And that's why he kills people when he, when he like uh, throws the claws out. Well, depending on what error, because there was that whole time when he was killing (laughs) them and then they went back and they're like, no, you know, I knocked them out and whatever. Yeah. That's not going to Wolverine continuity. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. You were, you you were saying that I totally missed. I, I love adult comics and I love adult comic translations. I mean, heck, most of what I like to read is, is um, you know, like Vertigo and Image and a lot of heavy metal stuff. So I'm, I'm totally down with that. But the thing is that the cartoon was like a quirky, whippy, jokey, witty sort of adult swim piece that they put together. And that same sort of, not like Rick and Morty, because Rick and Morty is its own vibe. But that that era of you know like oh we turned it adult and now they say lots of curse words and talk about sex but it's like just a bunch of comedy writers sitting around making up stuff for the dc universe and that's different than like a a fully you know immersive emotional story with tension and impact and stuff like that i guess that's fair that makes sense it's like i I looked at the trailer and i was like it's like family guy but with dc characters and that's what that's what drove me off yeah, I think well, I, I I understand where you're coming from. I, I don't agree with that uh, that representation. What you just said, it's not, it's very not much family, not guy, family okay. guy. But I I, guy. I I would I would relate it more to an adult <laughs> version of Teen Titans. Okay, well, yeah. I could go with that. I mean, it's a, not that I don't want to watch this. That no, you don't want to watch it. it. Like, I can something tell something at the time had. I don't know if it was a Harley Quinn thing because I was just sick of Harley Quinn. Maybe you 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 seem to have something against Harley Quinn. When I brought up Margot Robbie the other day, you you had an issue with that, and now I'm talking about Harley Quinn. You have an issue with that? Yeah, kind of like you know that whole thing about the psychopaths who gear towards the Joker because they don't understand that he's actually supposed to be a example of what not to do, and they're like they had the greatest relationship, Harley and Joker. Like, no, they're two psychopaths who beat the shit out of each other. It's like she's not. There's people who think she's a role model, and they're like, yeah, I'm just like Harley. She's my favorite. I'm a little psychopath. I don't know, like the Blade. Like, well. Well, but 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 to be fair, uh, since the hashtag Me Too movement, they have tried to push Harley as a female role model. She is not. Right. She is under right. no circumstances is she uh, a, a role model. And not only that, the relationship between her and Joker has always been abusive and it's always been oh, shown as abusive. Maybe not in the early, early days. I don't I know she started out as a, a Batman cartoon character and then yep. got brought into the comic books i don't remember how she was portrayed in the cartoon so i don't know how that relationship legitimately was what i will say is that the whole harley quinn thing always reminds me of that super edgy late 90s to early 2000 ultra edgy hot topic thing that people were doing a lot of and i'm so burnt out on it that anything with her kind of gives me a bad taste. So I will watch the cartoon. Hopefully I will laugh and enjoy it. Eh, if you don't, no big deal. Um, however, I will never get burnt out on Margot Robbie. Margot Robbie. She's a, she's a perfectly good actress. 
Yeah, well, I wasn't talking about that. She's just fucking beautiful. I'd marry that woman in an, in an instant. I, I like her with simple men. Just simple people. <laughs> um, geez, where did we... We went all over the place. I could talk about a lot of this stuff. Something I was going to bring up a little earlier was kind of like a footnote. We'll have to talk about another time. Is Above Majestic, which is a documentary about... Um, it's just about aliens and alien technology. And this guy's like, I was on the, the moon base that we have. And, you know, I was working with reptilians and the government shuttled me around to different projects. I'm not <laughs> supposed to talk about it. I'm like, well, you're on a documentary talking about it. What the hell? Right. Uh, so that was one thing. The other thing is, did you ever see the movie Branded? No. I would like us to watch Branded and then get back in a week or two and discuss the film. Uh, because it's it's a foreign-made film. I think it's like Russian or something like that. And it's got a couple of big-name actors that they hired just because they're like, hey, this will put us in theaters if we get some big-name actors. But it's this guy goes out into... His life's not right. He works in marketing, advertising stuff. He goes out in the desert and he performs this very old ritual of building a bull and then burning it down. And after that, he can see... I have the alien this. entities that are in all of us and that we're all the brands are are entities that feed on us when we consume their brands yeah i i i have seen that it was a long time ago because this is a movie from 2012 i have seen this i i would definitely be down to talk about this it's like it's not that very it's not like it's a really good movie you know there's a lot oh, of it was good i enjoyed it where you're like i don't know what well, it's what I'm saying is like, you know, on a critic level, there's there's certain things when you can tell they're very small budget. There's a foreign film, there's a lot of pieces that maybe don't mesh together. But, you know, you, you like it. I like the film. There are critics out there who did not like it because it didn't sell very well. But the ideological conversation the movie has, I think, is super important and right up there with other stuff like 1984 and The Matrix and such. Well, that's it for today. Thanks for listening to the Happy Little Scream podcast. If you like what you heard, you can find more on all major podcast providers. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. There are links on our website, happylittlescreams.com. Please like and subscribe. And if you're feeling even more generous, you can support the podcast through Patreon. Your donations help keep us going. Until next time, good night and happy screams. Are they lifting their metal hands? This is the end now. Dave, this conversation can serve no purpose anymore. Goodbye.